Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin and go to the message. Bibles go to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to get there in just a second. We're going to continue our series on kingdom treasures. Kingdom treasures. We've been we've been talking about this. We went from hidden treasures to kingdom treasures, and and I just I've just been on this 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 I don't know. I'm just studying in this tangent. Um, How many of you were here for a Holy Week? Uh, Pastor Les Albritton preached on Monday of Holy Week. Man, he was. He was great. I told my brother, I don't know when, but we got to get you back in here again soon. But he and I have been meeting over at Morning by Morning on Wednesday morning. Morning by morning on Wednesday morning um, for coffee and Bible study. We've been, doing, we've been doing coffee and Bible study. And we've just been, man, we've been hung up on, 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 on the kingdom and, and treasures. And then, so this past Wednesday night, or Wednesday morning rather, we were sitting there and we were talking. And there was another minister that was in there, part of our Perry Minister Association. And he saw us over there talking, and he was in the middle of a, a meeting of some sort with one of his church members. And when he got done, he walked over. He said, listen, I couldn't help it, but y'all boys are getting really excited. I could hear you all the way over there. He said, you care if I sit down? I said, no. And we sat there. I shouldn't tell you this because board members are in here, but we sat there for like an hour and a half. Man, just, man, we were just, we were just having a great time in the Lord. Even the people behind the counter, they were coming over, and they were like, I heard you. That, that was pretty good. All right? And we were just, man, we were having a good old time. But, but, man, there's so many treasures in the kingdom of God. So when we, when we think about kingdom treasures, I want you to think about this. Kingdom treasures are those things that maybe it's the stuff that you've been wanting. Anybody want something? All right? Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to say that or not. He may talk about it. We all want stuff, all right? And, and, and sometimes kingdom treasures are those things that, or any treasure of any kind, I should say, are a surprise. When you get those treasures, you're like, oh, you know, you just praise the Lord. I mean, you're just, you're, you're surprised. And then sometimes these treasures are those things that you lost, and then you find them. Has anybody other than Miss Sheridan and I moved, and then you find something in the move that you've been looking for for a long time, and you finally find it either during the packing up or the unpacking, and you're like, praise God, I've been looking for that, right? We lived in our last house for, I don't know, 13, 14 years, and we started packing stuff up. I'm like, there that thing is. I've been looking for that, all right? So, so these treasures are things that we've been wanting. They're things that when we find them, they're, they're a surprise to us, and they're things that maybe they were lost in our lives and then we found them. See, my desire for doing all this is so that you would grasp a hold of the message and understand, really, when we talk about kingdom treasures, we're talking about all three. The kingdom of heaven is something that we should all desire. The kingdom of heaven is something we should all desire. Secondly, the kingdom of heaven increases in us and brings greater surprises of God's goodness. The more you press into the kingdom, the more you press in, I just want to be with you. The more you desire those things, the more surprises God has for you. I don't, I don't care how long you've been a Christian. 
if you've been a Christian for 12 months or if you've been a Christian for 40 years, let me just tell you, you have not seen the fullness of all that God has for you. And the more we press in, the more we desire, He's going to show us some things. And then the third thing is this. The kingdom of heaven is something that everyone should desire to find. Now, I'm not just talking about those that are not born again yet. Those that are not born again yet. But I'm talking about those that have been saved for a long time and they've either lost or never had the fullness of the kingdom. There's people that I know that have been in church for, for years. They have been great attenders. They have been great tithers. But they have not been great participators. God is desiring so much more for you and from you in the kingdom. It's good to be on the membership rolls of a church, but it's even better when you're engaged in the kingdom. And that's the desire God has for us, is to, 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 to have this greater desire for more that He has, to, to, to receive the surprises that He has for us, and to understand that the fullness of the kingdom is more than you'll ever contain on this side of heaven. Remember that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is not just a place that we're going to go to someday. It's a place that is inside of every born-again believer. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is not there. The kingdom of heaven is in here. Most Christians do not understand the power of the kingdom of God that is within them, and that's why they're not living the abundant life. Let me say that again. i got two over here that amen. I'm going to try to get everybody over here, okay? Most Christians don't understand the power of the kingdom of God that's within them, and that's why they're not living the abundant life. There we go. Listen, I want to live the abundant life. He said abundantly. If you read over in Romans chapter 8, he goes on and he says more, 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 more. I want more. I like more. I want more of him, more of all that he has for me, more of his presence, more of his Holy Spirit, more of his gifts of manifestation, more of his word in my life. I want the fullness thereof. I also believe this. I believe that many churches are not accomplishing all that God has for them to accomplish because they do not understand the power of the kingdom of God that is within the church. That's why it's important to say, Lord, we want to be with you just as much as I want to be with you. Many, many churches, there are a lot of churches out there that, that have become and I'm not trying to pick on any one church. Don't try to read into this. I'm just being honest because I'm telling you where I don't want to be. I'm not picking on anybody else. I'm telling you where I don't, I don't want to be a social club. I don't, I don't want to be a dry, dead church where we're checking a box. Listen, our vision is to encourage, to encourage you, to, to lift you up, to get you excited. So that we can have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. Brother Richard Russell said, man, he said, I, I like church that was, we had like two weeks ago. He said, brother, he said, that's what I grew up in. That's what we should all desire. 
is those type of services. Pastor Frank, he's right. I shouldn't have preached a sermon that. As soon as he said it, I felt guilty. But again, I've got a t-shirt that says, if you say it, it's going to come out in my sermon. So I had to say it. But the reality is this. I want more. I don't want to just leave at noon. I want to keep pressing in. And we, we want to equip you. That's why we're doing, listen, that's why we do Wednesday nights. That's why we're doing healing school. That's why we do equip groups. That's why we've got hope for life. That's why we got prayer meetings. That's why we're wanting to start some more. It almost came out. That's why we're wanting to start some more stuff. Not because I'm trying to keep you busy. Listen, don't, don't, as my pastor says all the time, just keep smiling, looking forward, and nobody will know that I'm talking about you. But how many of us, when you're not at church, when you're not doing church things, are doing things that are really productive for the kingdom? Don't just keep swinging. Right? Hey, listen, I like football just like everybody else, but that score does not increase anything in the kingdom. Me getting upset at that television does nothing for the kingdom or my blood pressure. Right? So, so people say, you know, uh, you would just be in church every night if you could probably. I want to be not only in the building, but I want to be with the church. Because that's what we're called to do. The Bible says if you go back and read in Acts, they met, uh, some of you got it, they met daily. They met daily. And the church was increased. They met daily. So why do I go to morning by morning and, and have Bible study? Because there's, we used to try to have stuff here in the mornings, and it, and it kind of dwindled down. So I'm going to go find it someplace else. I'm hungry for more of the kingdom. I desire to be the abundant church. Amen? Have you all found Matthew 16? Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that the Son of Man am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say? That I am. I, I challenged you with this last week. Who do you say he, say he is? Who do you say he is? When people look at you and they ask you, are you a Christian? And you say yes. And they say, well, who is he to you? Are you ready to give an answer? Are you ready to give an account? Are you ready to let him know he is my deliverer? He is my savior? He is my creator? He, he is my provider? He is my source? He is my strength? He is my supplication? So you got to know. I, I know. I could go on and on and on. I love it. Maybe next week I'll get that, that, that I can't remember who that, that preacher was. It just, yes, you're shaking your head too. I'll bring it up next week. There's a there's pastor, my, my mother-in-law, I played it so many times on YouTube, she bought me the, the DVD, or the CD, I guess it was, of this pastor, this was, this was years ago, probably, I think it was back in the 60s or 70s, and he did, you know what I'm talking about, and man, he just, he got up in the podium, and the Holy Ghost hit him, and he went on for like 20 minutes. I've sat there and hit that thing on rewind, and rewind, and I just get so happy in Jesus. Who is he to you? So he asked the disciples, he said, 
Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christ means God's anointed and anointing. He is God's anointed and God's anointing. He is the Christ. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, real quick, understand this. He changed his name from Simon to Peter. He didn't really change his name. He just nicknamed him. We often get those two confused. God did not change Saul's name to Paul. He just called him something different. Paul took on a, a, a more Jewish name. All right? So he didn't change Simon's name. He just said, I'm going to call you Peter. Now, sometimes I think it's because of his rock head, but the reality is Peter means rock. So when he was looking at Peter and he says, upon this rock, he wasn't just saying, you Peter. Okay, it's not, it's not like some of the Catholic churches that, that build these temples to Peter and say it's, it's on this place. No, no, no. He's saying, he's saying, you Peter, just like when Paul talks about man, he talks about Adam in Romans, he's talking about mankind. So when he looks at Peter and he says, upon you, Peter, I'm going to build my, he says, upon you, mankind, those that follow me, those that declare that I am the Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail. Upon those that declare that I am the Christ. Then he says in verse 19, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The word church right here is the word ecclesia. Ecclesia was never intended to be a place just for gathering, but the Ecclesia was formed by God right here in Matthew to his disciples in the book of Acts when he declared, this is my church. The Ecclesia was set up to be a governmental body. It was set up to be a governmental body. We are part of the body. We are part of the government. We are part of the kingdom of God. We who are in Christ are citizens of His kingdom and not just citizens, but royalty. We, we are members in His kingdom and not just members only, but you, say me. Say me. Say I am royalty. You're royalty. You are prince and princesses to the king of kings, to the Lord of lords. 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. He says, you are a chosen, chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Who's writing this? Peter. First Peter. It wasn't a trick question. So, go back to Matthew. Jesus looked at 
Peter, and he said, upon you, Peter. So again, remember, I just told you, he wasn't just talking about Peter because there were 11 other men sitting in that room. If he was just talking about Peter, somebody would have got really upset. But he was talking about mankind, you. So Peter then turns around and he says, I got that. He didn't get it immediately because we know that he denied Christ three times. We know that Peter was a little bit slow. Again, it goes back to being the rock. But Peter finally got the revelation and then he writes this letter to the church and he says, not just me, not just my 11 traveling partners, but you, you, the church, you, the born-again believer, you who have made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who do men say that I am? Peter got it. He said, I'm going to proclaim the praises of him who called me. I'm going to proclaim his marvelous works in my life. Anybody in here ever been healed? Do you tell people about it? When, when sickness knocks on your door, do you go back and remember, he did it once, he'll do it again? Devil, get out. You're a liar and the father of all lies. My God is healer. He healed me once. He'll heal me again because by his stripes I was. Anybody in here been, been baptized with the Holy Ghost? I heard some of you speaking in tongues. Praise the Lord. So, so listen, you can declare, you can proclaim that he filled me with the Holy Ghost. He filled me with His power. He put His presence, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, now rests in my mortal body. Man, if you'll get a hold of that, you got God on the inside. That'd been a good place for a poof. But you got God on the inside. Proclaim it. Oh, people will think I'm crazy. Who cares? You're not part of this world anyways. And if you really want to know the truth, I, I am a little crazy. Crazy for Jesus. Listen, I want to proclaim him. Why do I want Because I am a chosen generation. I am a royal priest. And I want everybody to know it. See, the problem, we, the problem is, is we have twisted our understanding of government. I shared a little bit of this with you last week. We have we twisted government because of the government that we live in. And not just our government, but many governments throughout the world. We, we, we have this understanding of what we think government looks like, and we try to compare his government to this government, and we can't do that. This is a fallen government. His is a royal government. His is the government. As the ecclesia, as the royalty of God, we are to proclaim Him, not self. So many in earthly government are all about what the people can do for them. It's all about what people can do for them. We, that's, why, that's why we got people... That's why we have got people... 
in places of authority, people that are in positions, people that are serving as senators and congressmen, people that are in the White House that are way past their ability to do the job that they are in. And the only reason is is because they don't care about you. They just care about their pockets. Pastor, that sounds like you think we should have term limits. Absolutely. And it's on Facebook Live. Let it be known. We've got people. Listen, I don't know about you. Don't raise your hand. Don't look at me. Some people today in our government, in in our United States, are struggling with insurance to get health insurance. But you can get elected to one of those offices for four years, and you got insurance for the rest of your life. We got people in our government that are that are that are wanting to do away with our police department, but every one of them are walking around with security guards. We got we got people that are wanting to do away with some of your appliances and wanting to do away with some of your cars, but have you ever seen their house, what they got in their house, and what car they drive? Our government is messed up, but our government is not like his government. God's government is not about what the people can do for us. God's government is about what we, the church, the ecclesia, can do for the people. Why is it important for us to bring our tithes and offerings? Why is it important that we're out there in the community? Why is it that we're doing into the schools and helping the schools? Why is it that, that we're trying to do stuff with the police station? Why is it we're trying to partner with other churches? Why is it that we're, listen, when I talk to churches, when I talk to a pastor of a church and I said, I've got this idea of something we can do to reach our community, and that pastor looks at us, he says, well, how's that going to grow my church? I can tell you right now, that's not a kingdom-minded uh, pastor. We, we, we want to go and we want to do National Day of Prayer, not to elevate life, church, but to elevate Jesus. We participate in Holy Week, not to, not to elevate life, church, but to elevate Jesus. We got Christmas and the crossroads coming up. We're not doing that to elevate the, 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 the Perry Ministerial Association. We're doing it to elevate Jesus. We need to be kingdom-minded. Look at this, Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified with Him. Praise the Lord. I'm holding on. All right? Listen, the spirit that's in you, see that says capital S. The capital S bears witness with our small s to confirm that we are children of God. And not just children, but we are heirs. You understand what an heir is? When when I die, my kids get everything that I have. When Jesus, getting it, Jenny? <laughs> Hallelujah. When Jesus, <laughs> listen, when he, when he said it is finished, listen, when he split that tomb wide open, when he parted and lit, went away, he said it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to pour out on you. Glory to God. We are heirs with Jesus. 
Y'all got to get this, man. Listen, if Jesus can... If Jesus can speak to the waves and the storm and say, be thou removed, we've got the same spirit living in us. If Jesus can lay hands on blind people and say, see, then we can lay hands on blind people and see. Understand this. We have the same spirit living in us. We are heirs of God with Christ Jesus. We are not a defeated foe. We, we, we need to remove all that negativity out of our language. We need to begin to speak life and not death. We need to begin to speak victory, not defeat. We under, need to understand who we are in Christ. I'm an heir. I'm an heir with the King of Kings, with the Lord of Lords. There are, listen, we used to sing those old, those old hymnals. You know those old those old songs just just give me a give me a cabin over in glory. There ain't no cabins over in glory. There's only mansions. There ain't no rugged street. There's streets of gold. But listen, we don't need to wait till we get there to understand all that he has for us cuz all that he has for us we can have right here on earth. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because I'm an heir. Brother, why do you walk around like you're, you're so blessed? Because I am. I don't think I'm better than anybody else, but I just understand. I know whose I am. And I know who I am. And I'm an heir. And I'm going to continue to proclaim the goodness of him. He suffered I might have to go through some things. But he was glorified. I'm going to be glorified. Not because of who I am, but because of who's in me. Y'all get that? Man, this just went up like 20 degrees in this place. See, we are priests. We are heirs. And if heirs, then we are princes and princesses, and if we are princes and princesses, then we have authority and power given to us because of, not because of who we are, but because who our Father is. We have power because of who our Father is. I shared with you last week, the King of England and those princes that walk around that are always in inquiring minds, they have no authority. They can be in all kinds of magazines, do all kinds of talk shows, do all that stuff, but the reality is their voice matters nothing. They have no authority. They can't come to the United States and tell our president, you need to do this because my daddy the king said so. Our government would laugh at him. But we... I can speak to devils and demons. I can say, you got to go in the name of Jesus, and that devil's going to go. I can speak to sickness and say, you got to go in the name of Jesus, and that sickness has to go. Because I'm an heir. Because I'm a child of the king. The ecclesia, the government of God, his kingdom is one of power, and those of us 
who are born again are citizens of that kingdom and have rights to that power. The power we have is the treasure of His Holy Spirit that indwells us. The power that we have is the treasure of His Spirit that indwells us. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 4.20. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. It's not in word, it's in power. I just, Acts chapter 19 just came into my mind. Seven sons of Sceva, right? They showed up, they tell that devil, they said, we come to you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. That devil looked at them, he said, Jesus I know. Paul, I know. I don't know you. Pastor Patricia has been teaching Acts over in, in our, our children's church, our little kids. And she taught on uh, Acts chapter 19. And they said, you naked? She looked at her and said, naked. Ran them out of town naked. Why? Because it was in their words. You better make sure you know the power. You better make sure, you know, I, I, I say this. I told a pastor this, this this week. I said, you know why most churches, many churches, a lot of churches don't teach on healing and don't teach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Because both of them require demonstrations of power. And if the pastor only knows the Word... And that's good. I mean, that's, I study. You need to study. But if, if, if you're good at preaching word, but you don't know power, I want the power. I may not be the best preacher, the best orator. That's a big old word. Couldn't spell it if I tried. All right? But I know where the power is. I'm connected to the power. It's kind of like walking around with a, can you, can you imagine walking around with a lamp? Walking around with a lamp. You got this lamp and you, you go walking into a dark room. And you say, darkness, here I come. And you step into that dark room. You got your lamp in hand and you shut the door behind you. You know what it is? It's dark. <laughs> but if I plug that lamp in to the source, darkness flees. Darkness flees. Why? Because I'm connected to the power. I'm an heir. I'm an heir with Christ, and I understand the power. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Again, when we think about our natural government, we try to think about, well, who has the power? See, these elected officials that are uh, in positions of authority, they, they think that they have power, but their power is really limited. It's limited. We, we've seen this time and time again. You know, presidents, they'll come in and, and they, make, they make these laws and they pass these things and they do these things. And the reality is they know that their time is short and that the next guy can come in and flip that and change it. And we've had a lot of that over the last several years. Their power is only limited as long as you keep voting them in. And in the White House, that's for a limited time. Thank you, Jesus. But in the kingdom, 
What he says is eternal. What he says will last for all time. It will never go away. There's power in this word. Let's go back to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Verse 44. How many of you are heirs? Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask that again because some of you might have just been flipping your Bible and you didn't raise your hand, and that would be a good place for an altar call. How many of you are heirs? All right. Praise the Lord. Just checking. All right. Praise God. If you're not, I'm going to give an altar call here in just a second. You need to come because you, you need to be an heir. Matthew 13, 44. Again. See, he knew I was coming back to it, so he said, again, I'm telling you again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. This parable that Jesus is teaching shows us how an individual is willing, this particular individual is willing to sacrifice everything to receive that treasure, the kingdom. What if you are the man? Jesus is the treasure. What if you are that man? What are you willing to sacrifice? We discussed this a few weeks ago, but are you willing to give up, get rid of, and do without for the kingdom? What things in your life are standing between you and Him and the fullness thereof? Has anybody ever heard of Mel Fisher, the, the treasure hunter? Anybody ever heard of Mel Fisher? Brother Richard has. Mel Fisher was a dreamer. He was a visionary. He was a legend to most treasure hunters. Mel Fisher searched for the wreckage, wreckage of the Nostra Sonora Ocha, which means Our Lady of Ocha. This is a Spanish ship that crashed in 1622 off the coast of Florida. It was actually crashed about 20 miles west of Key West, Florida. The, the treasure on this ship was worth about 400 million in gold today. When it went down, today's value, 400 million dollars in gold went down with it. Mel Fisher did all kinds of studies. He did all kinds of things to find out where the ship went down. And he began to spend his life wealth trying to find this treasure. From 1975 to 1985, Mel Fisher made thousands of trips, which cost thousands upon thousands of dollars, out into the ocean. He would pay people and he would tell me, he says, if you'll just help me get out there and, and find this treasure, I'll give you a percentage of it. And they would go out there and because he couldn't find it, because he'd only bring up fragments of it, many people would get upset with him and would quit taking him out there and he'd have to find another ship and another captain and another crew to go out there. From 1975 until 1985, for 10 years, Mel Fisher spent his whole life savings, borrowed much money that he could never pay out, trying to find a treasure that he would never find. Mel Fisher died in 1998. 
and still had not found the treasure. But he spent his whole life looking. If Mel Fisher would have found that treasure, 400 millions in gold, it still would not be worth the riches of the kingdom of heaven. But he gave his all for it. How many of us in here will spend our whole life and everything, everything we have to keep searching, to keep desiring more wealth, more earthly treasures, just to come up empty? I mean, many have. Many people have. I'm amazed. Again, I, I love football. I'll see some of these guys that, they're, they're, they're star athletes in college. They get drafted high. They go to the NFL. They probably never completed their degree program because they just wanted the money. I think there was a show one time, right? Show me the money. That's all they wanted. It wasn't about the degree. That's not why they went to college anyways. It's because they were a good running back. They were a good quarterback. They were a good tackler. They go to college. They, get, they go high in the draft. They get into the NFL and then they get hurt. And then you read about them a couple years later and they're broke. They're broke. They don't have two nickels to rub together. They'll give everything that they have, including their body, to try to gain some kind of treasure. What about you? What about you? Will you spend prayer? Will you spend time in the Word? Will you spend time at church seeking the wealth of the kingdom of heaven? Will you spend as much time in kingdom things, in the things of God, to receive the treasure that He has for us as we spend in earthly things trying to achieve earthly wealth that we'll never get? Look at this, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 3. It says, for we are of the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul, right here in these first seven verses, six verses, Paul's giving us his resume. He's giving us his resume. Like many of us do, where we're, we're constantly giving our, our resume. They're trying to, Paul's trying to tell you about his family name. He's telling you about his occupation. He's telling you about all that he's accomplished in the world. You ever met people and, and you get to talking to them? And man, they just, everywhere you go, they're just talking to you about their resume. This is what I've done. I've done this and I've done that. And, 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 and you know, I don't mind talking to some of those people, but what happens is they'll talk about all these worldly things that they're trying to do and they're trying to get you to be impressed. But if they don't tell you about their relationship with Jesus, so he goes on and says in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I have counted loss for Christ. In other words, all this other stuff that I've accumulated. Verse 8, yet indeed I also count those things as lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Listen, Paul said, I've got all this stuff. I can accumulate all these worldly things. All these worldly things don't matter anything. I count them as rubbish compared to my relationship with Jesus Christ, my Lord. He goes on and says, he says, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. First time I ever read Philippians 3.10. I mean, I just, I stopped in my tracks. Several years ago, I was a young minister. I, I was doing my studies, and I was reading this. And as soon as I read verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I got to thinking to myself, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. The Apostle Paul who grew up under Gamaliel, who knew the, 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 the Pentateuch, who could quote to you most of the Old Testament, who could tell you all about the prophets. Then he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and he spent three years in Arabia with Jesus incarnate, and yet Paul's writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, that I may know him. Well, Paul, you do know him. What Paul is saying is, if you go back to that first part, those first six verses, what Paul is saying is, is I knew a lot about my heritage. I knew a lot about my circumcision. I knew a lot about the law that I studied. I knew a lot about all of these things. I, had, I have some gnosis. He said, but what I want is I need to have some gnosko. I need, to, I need to know him. See, when I first met Sheridan, I could know sis. I knew her. Everybody called her Sam. That was her nickname. So I, I, I knew Sam. I knew Sheridan. I knew the waitress at Cracker Barrel that was working her way through Tennessee Tech. I knew. But then the more we spent time together and then we ended up getting married, then what happened is now I know her. And after 27 years, I'm learning more about her. Your relationship with Jesus, that we would know him and desire more to know about him. Paul said that I may know him. What do you want to know about him, Paul? I want to know about the power of his resurrection. I want to know about the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know about him, about how I can be conformed to his death. I want to know if by any means how I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. I want to know him. Everything else is rubbish, but I want to know him. On the outside, and for certain crowds, Paul had everything, but he called it all rubbish. I have met people in my life that on the outside appear to have everything, houses, cars, money, clothes, etc., but they are spiritually poor. And I've also met people that society would look down their noses at and think that they were nothing and would ever amount to nothing. And they were spiritually rich. 
I've seen people, uh, the, the, the Teen Challenge ministry we used to run, that would come through there and people would look down their noses at them and, and, and just, you know, maybe they, they in their former life they had tattoos all over their body or something like that or, or whatever the case may be. Maybe they didn't have enough money to wear uh, the right kind of clothes. But I can tell you this, in Teen Challenge, in a 14-month program, they took 42 different classes. They did more studies in 14 months than most Christians will do in a lifetime. Many of those ladies and young men that came through our program also would get enrolled in North Point Bible College and they would start studying to get a degree. And people would look down their nose at them because they weren't dressed particularly because they had these tattoos from their former life. And I would look at those people and I'd say, yeah, but if you only knew, if you only knew who they knew, if you only knew what they knew, I've seen churches that have beautiful buildings, lots of money, lots of programs, but no power. No power. No one's getting saved. No one's getting healed. No one's getting baptized. They're not reaching their community. I want to reach our community, church. I want to be the ecclesia. I want to be the royalty of God, operating in His power, reaching our community for the kingdom look at this I'm going to finish this up Dietrich Bonhoeffer Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this the call of Jesus teaches us that our relationship to the world has been built on an illusion we thought that we they were treasures but they were rubbish let me say that again the call of Jesus teaches us that our relationship to the world has been built on an illusion we thought that they were treasures, but they were rubbish. I've told you my story, my testimony. I'm not going to tell you again about how I was in the car business, and I was making a lot of money in the car business. And I was driving nice cars in the car business, and I was wearing really, really nice clothes in the car business. And my wife and I were even talking about buying a dealership, and we thought that that's where we were going to be was in the car business. And we thought that that was the American dream was to make wealth and retire early. Then I met Jesus. And it was all rubbish. We can make jokes about it, but have you ever seen a, a, a bank truck following a hearst? You ain't going to take it with you. It's just rubbish. I'm not saying you can't have nice things. I believe God wants us to have nice things as long as those nice things don't stand in the way of your relationship with Jesus. I don't want to be just a church in the community while the community around us is dying lost and going to hell. I want to be the ecclesia in this community that is proclaiming the praise of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. I want to be the church that's out there that people, when, you, when, we're, when I go to places and I start talking to people, somebody starts saying, listen man, you sound just like that lady I was talking to the other day. Really? What did she say? Well, she was telling me all about Jesus. Did she invite you to church? Yes, yeah, I'm Life Church out on 41. Praise the Lord. You got there before I got there. That should be our desire. Everything that we do should be to reach people. Not to, not to just try to build bigger cathedrals. Not to just try to have bigger programs. I don't mean this ugly. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm just trying to be honest with you. I've been to four different district functions this year. Four different district functions. A bunch of preachers. Not lay people. Preachers. And we walk in, and you know what they start talking about when we go into these churches? They're not talking about, man, we had a great service last week. So-and-so got healed. So-and-so got saved. So-and-so got... You know what they're talking about? Their splash pad. 
their splash pad. How many square foot's your splash pad? How many, how many different little things do you have at your church splash pad? Listen, I'm not, I'm not faulting anybody that's got a splash pad. Pastor Darrell Yarbrough's a good friend of mine. I love that man to death. Had lunch with him the other day. They've got a splash pad. If you can build a splash pad, build a splash pad. My desire is this. I don't want to get you wet. I want to get you saved. My father-in-law's been trying to tell me for two years since we've been here. He says, you need to build a pickleball court. I said, Dad, I need a pickleball court like I need another hole in my head. What we need is to reach our community with the power of Jesus. Paul said, I count all this as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. I count it all as loss. Everything else I've ever done, I count it as loss. All I want to do is know Jesus. Are you playing or are you playing? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, Mel Fisher gave his whole life Mel Fisher gave his whole life trying to find a treasure that was temporal. He gave his whole life trying to find a treasure that was temporal. Pastor, $400 million doesn't sound like temporal. He couldn't take it with him. I want to challenge you this morning to spend the rest of your life finding and searching for a treasure that is eternal. To know Him. To know Him. And the power of His resurrection. To know Him. To know that the Spirit of Jesus Christ lives in you. To know that we are heirs. Joint heirs with Christ. To know that we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. To know that this earth is going to melt away someday. But we who are in Christ will be with Him forever. We must be willing to give up everything that could hinder our relationship with God and to keep us from accomplishing His purpose. That's, that's my whole desire. I wake up every morning. Lord, I want to fulfill Your purpose for me. I want to fulfill Your calling in my life. I want to fulfill the reason that I'm imperative. I want to fulfill the reason that I'm the pastor at Life Church. I want to fulfill what You have placed Your Spirit in me. I count everything else as rubbish that I will know you. Jesus goes on and says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now next week, Pastor Marcus Johnson is going to be here. But the following week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about the keys of the kingdom. What's this treasure that he has? What's this power that he wants us to operate in? What is it that we have guarantee of as being heirs of Christ? The keys. And we'll talk about what they open. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Life Church. If you are looking for a home church, please visit us at 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia, or check out our website at lifechurchga.com.